Welcome everybody to the Extra Credit Show. I am Anselmo Moreno. And I'm Richard David. And we are back again with another podcast here to help everybody master their credit score so they can get the extra credit that they deserve. Welcome back, Richard. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself? Perfect, perfect. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you liked our little Easter egg that we had for our April Fool's edition of the Extra Credit Show. We are back again in full swing. And this week, we have a fantastic episode lined up again. This week, we're talking about four things that you need to know about co-signing and credit scores. I might even title the episode, Caution, Don't (laughs) Co-Sign. Because when an eager consumer does not qualify for financing, they are often advised by the salesperson, wherever they're at, to seek for a qualified co-signer to allow them to obtain the loan or credit. You know, I always consider that, and I always tell my clients that financially, it's like juggling knives with your eyes closed. That's the way I see it. That's the way I tell the, my clients. In fact, if the person you're asking for the cosign is my client, chances are they're going to tell you no under my advice because I'm going to basically tell them don't do it. <laughs> and no, it's true. And you just have to think about this logically. If they need a cosigner, it's for a reason. Why do they need a cosigner? A, they either have not enough credit history to determine if they're going to make their payments on time. B, their credit is bad, which means they don't pay their bills on time, and that's why they're asking you for your name. Or C, they just don't make enough money to be able to pay the loan, and the bank can see that. In any case, it just sounds like a bad idea. You know, it it always is, and I think that the reason why people maybe don't consider it a bad idea is that the the words co-signer are very misunderstood. Um, so, I mean, let's just go right into exactly what co-signing is. Okay. So let me, let me backtrack a little and let me tell you what it is not. Co-signing is not just for a character reference. You are not a character reference for this other individual. If you are co-signing for this individual, you are 100% guaranteeing the loan. One of the biggest things I hear from my consumers when they come, oh, I'm just the secondary. You know, they're the primary. There's no such thing. No such thing as a primary and secondary borrower. You are all 100% liable for the loan. Yeah, that's a very good one. Not acting as a reference and primary and secondary borrowers are very important to know that there is no distinction between them. No. Um, Another one I think is that the lender, future lenders will always count the debt as yours. Oh, yes. It'll always count against your debt to income ratio and that payment will always count against you if if you go to apply for a future loan. A good example of this is if you co-sign for somebody, say for a house, which would be just ludicrous, but let's just say you do, that payment, which is normally not a low payment for a mortgage, could potentially prohibit you from getting your own mortgage down the line. Or maybe if you want to get a car down the line, now that new monthly expense can price you out for getting something on your own. So lenders will always count the debt as yours. It doesn't matter, again, if you're secondary or primary. My my name's second on the loan. There's, It's the same thing. You know, it's like, it's like if a husband and wife go and get a car together, there is no person that owes or owns the car more than the other. They're both just as responsible, like you said. If you co-sign for somebody, it's the same dynamic like a husband and a wife. There is no co-signer that's less responsible. Uh, in fact, I think that co-signers are more responsible for loans technically because they're guaranteeing to the bank that if this person doesn't pay, I will be responsible to pay. That, technically, that's exactly what it is. That's what a co-signer actually is. They're guaranteeing the loan. And 
you got to be prepared that if the person you're co-signing for does not make the payments, fails to make the payments, that you then will basically pick up the slack. And, and call me a pessimist, but it's going to happen. Um, very, very, very rarely do I ever see someone co-sign for someone else or hear about someone co-signing for someone else and things turns out perfectly fine. There's always speed bumps. There's always something that happens. And the, the co-borrower, if you will, um, ends up paying the price. Remember, when you co-sign for someone, especially for a vehicle, you're taking on all the risk and you're getting none of the reward. It makes no sense. They get to ca- they get to drive the car. You know, they get to use it all the time. Um, and they're the ones responsible for paying it. And if they don't pay it, you're the one that's hurting. Yeah. How, how does that make any sense? Yeah, it, it, there's um, that's a tough one, you know, and it's important also because, like you said, in the car analogy, um, you're responsible for that whole loan. So not it's not like they just stop paying. So you'll end up paying your half. Oh, you know, you're not <laughs> responsible for half of the loan. If you're uh, a co-borrower, you are fully responsible for the entire loan. They're not going to go after you for just your half if the. If the account goes into default, they will go after the whole loan and they don't care who pays it, whether you pay it or the co-signer pays it or the primary borrower pays it. They're going to go after one of you for the whole amount. So there's no such thing as just paying your half. Yeah. And, you know, when you in that car reference as well, if you decide you don't want to pay the loan, well, then you just hurt yourself even more because once they take the car, they're going to sell it. They're going to only get a fraction of what is owed on the vehicle, and you're still going to have a deficiency balance left that's going to hurt your credit report even more. You know, you might think, well, this isn't fair. Uh, It's his car. I only, you know, signed for him. But again, you are signing your name, guaranteeing this loan. It's your debt, and you will pay for it in one way or another if he does not. So if the late pay, if the if the person you co-sign pays late, the credit reporting will reflect the late payment on both of your reports. Yes, sir. And the damage is not split in half either, right? <laughs> no. So you both get a full 30-day late, a full 60-day late, and you get all of the score damage that comes with it as if you were the only one responsible for it. There's no break because you're a cosigner. You get a full damage. Yes. Right? And and so, you know, keep that in mind. And if there is any upside in, in this very poor picture that we're painting about how much a terrible idea it is to co-sign. Technically, if they do pay on time, you get full benefit for the on-time payments. Sure. Technically. Sure. This is true. So that could potentially happen as well. Uh, but because in the business that we're in, we kind of tend to see all the, the the times that these things end up poorly. Uh, you know, we just always just say it's a terrible idea to co-sign for people because let's think about it again using the car analogy because that's the one that is most often seen simply because you get the shiny shiny object syndrome, you see the car, you want it, and then you ask everybody you can to co-sign. And normally it's amongst family members, like mom or dad are gonna co-sign, older brother's gonna co-sign, grandma's gonna co-sign, somebody that you know that's close to you, that really, really, really likes you is gonna co-sign, right? And oftentimes it's with the premise that Oh, we'll just take your name off in six months. Oh, yeah. That's the one. <laughs> we'll just take your name off in 12 months. How hard is it to just take your name off? No, it's not easy. Um, it doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. Well, it, it happens very rarely, but the, the situation has to be perfect. First of all, if you didn't qualify for the loan now, what makes you think you're going to qualify for the loan in six months? What is going to drastically change in your life 
that's going to cause you to qualify in six months? Probably nothing. And, and that's why, you know, my partner here says that it's it doesn't exist is because more than likely you can't. Um, you either don't make the money or you don't have the credit. And six months of payments on time on an auto loan is not enough to raise your history to a point where they'll qualify you by yourself. Chances and, are you didn't get a better paying job in six months either. Well, let's just for one second uh, look at the other side and say, let's just say they do qualify for the loan in six months. Mm. Okay. But they're not going to qualify at the same terms. So if mm -mm. a co-signer comes in with good credit or stellar credit, they're going to get great terms, great interest rate. And if the person now is able to get the loan on the, by themselves, they probably won't get the same interest rate. No. You know, so they'll probably get a higher loan interest rate and, and higher monthly payment because of true. the different terms. So then they won't even want to refinance because now the loan will be more expensive. But I just got ahead of myself. Um, when I said that you can't just take your name off of a loan, I literally mean like the bank is not going to remove you from the loan. The only dynamic that that happens in is if the person that you co-sign for refinances, refinances the car. Right. So they literally have to go get a new loan, pay off the loan that you're on, and then now basically buy the car from you. That's exactly. literally what happens. Exactly. Because it makes no sense. I mean, again, thinking about this logically, why would a bank give up its security in a, in a loan? Why would they do that? They, they made you sign for a reason because they want to make sure that they get paid. Why would they willingly let go of that security? Yeah, they're they not. won't. So the only way that that's going to happen is if you refinance the mm -hmm. loan. And this is applicable, guys, to car loans and home loans. Mm -hmm. You're not going to just get your name removed from the home loan. Um, the person is going to have to refinance. And homes are a little different than cars because if we're looking at cars, not only is it going to be difficult to refinance the car in six months because of, of the, the interest rate change potentially, but cars lose value. So now the car may not be worth what you owe. Right. And so now you're going to have negative equity position on a car and that's going to make it even more difficult to refinance six, in six months or even a year, mm -hmm. because now you might be upside down on the car, which pretty much everybody is upside down on their car at some point in time. So then that's going to make it even more difficult. Unless for you, you made a large down payment, but you, you know, and even then at some point you could potentially catch up to you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, most of the time, unless you made a very large down payment, you're going to be upside down a year into the loan. And that's going to make it more difficult to refinance, hence getting the cosigner removed from the loan. So it is a very, very bad idea to do so in those situations. And on a, on a house, it's got a little bit different because, but, you know, we're in a market where the homes are just appreciating. So it is very likely that the home will have equity in a year. Not a whole bunch, but potentially could have some equity. So that won't be a problem. But it does cost $5,000 to refinance. Minimum. Yes. Minimum, probably. Probably more, depending on the balance. So... Mm -hmm. And you, you're forgetting, although the home prices are increasing, so are the interest rates. Yeah. But I think the point that we're trying to drive home is that you can't be removed from either loan. No. You have to be refinanced out. And that is what you need to plan for if you're, for whatever reason, considering co-signing. If you're looking for a co-signer, you know, just save yourself the trouble and save your friendship, save your your family, save because Christmas is really awkward when you ruin your aunt's credit because she co-signed for you. <laughs> you know, it just makes for a very awkward family gathering. So uh, we've seen it. We've seen it in friendships. We've seen it in relationships. Um, it just makes for very very bad family gatherings if you end up messing up 
your aunt's credit or your grandma's credit? Listen, guys, if you are absolutely determined to co-sign for someone because you love them so much and you want to help them out, there is a right way of going about it. You may not like it, but this is the only way that you're going to protect yourselves. And that is don't just co-sign for them. Assume the loan. If you're going to help Timmy or Joe or whoever, you know, co-sign for a car or whatever it is, you make the payments and he pays you. So you know that your credit will never be ruined. And if he doesn't pay you, you know that you can just go take that car and now it's your car. Yeah. I mean, that is the 100% best advice that we can give you is to make sure that basically, just like you said, you assume the responsibility from the get-go because what, what ends up happening is you don't hear about it. So the person that you co-sign for is too embarrassed to tell you I can't make the payment. So then you find out when you get a late payment on your credit report and by then it's too late. Banks are supposed to call you, but they don't always call you until there's like six, two, three late payments and then they're ready to repo the car. That, and, and sometimes they don't even call you then. They'll just send you a letter. Yeah, because there's different, likely different mailing addresses. Um, so you just, that's, at that point it's too late. So if you want to, if you actually, if you're already in a situation where you've co-signed for somebody and things are going well, you know, it's still a really good idea to just take control of it to make sure that this is not going to happen to you. Because, I mean, car loans are what, five years now? Oh. So at some point it can happen. I've it, seen it, them, <laughs> I've seen them go all the way up to seven years. So um, that's a long time and that's a lot of opportunities for a missed payment. So again, that's probably the best thing that you can do to protect yourself. Other things that I think um, if you already are a co-signer that you can do to safeguard your credit is make sure that the statement goes to your mailing address. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, again, they're separate mailing addresses. So if they're going to the, the other person's mailing address, you'll never know what's going on with the loan. And number two, ensure that the finance company knows how to reach you in case anything goes wrong, mm -hmm. because they'll always have that primary contact, which will be the person that you co-sign for. And you just kind of forget about it. Um, those are other two steps that you can take besides just paying the bill yourself and having the co-signer pay you. Because um, guys, I mean, this is this is your credit. And if you don't protect it, nobody else will do it for you. Remember, one single 30-day late payment on this loan or credit card or whatever it is, seven years bad credit. Do you really want to risk that? You know, I, I, is your loyalty that good that you're willing to risk seven years bad credit? Think you know, about it. It's it's tough because I think most of the time, I mean, we, we, I mean, we see it all the time. Like we just, I just saw it last week where the person was getting ready to buy their home. They've been working hard to improve their credit score. Their credit score is finally up there. And then they, co you know, they had a co-signer. Um, I was actually on cell phones. So they didn't know that the cell phone bills were in default, but the collection for cell phones showed up on the report right as they were getting pre-qualified for their mortgage. Oh. So that's something else, right? I mean, now they have this giant collection on the report for what they consider not even my debt. In fact, that's the first words out of their mouth. It's not even my account. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Right. What do you mean? And is this identity theft? No, I co-signed or I signed for my cousin. Well, then it that is, is your, your account, account <laughs> because you signed for it. So you are responsible for this debt. There's no, we're not going to dispute it, right? We're, we're going to have to pay it. We're going to have to settle it out, hopefully save you some money. But at the end of the day, it's money out of your pocket and it it's not just the money it's the worst possible time for this to occur because they already had found their house they were about to enter escrow and it's the worst time for for several reasons it puts the escrow in jeopardy but primarily 
it puts us in a bad negotiating spot because now we can't negotiate correctly because we basically have to take the first offer because we don't have time. So we got to take the first offer, pay the premium to resolve this quickly because they're not going to put their $300,000 house in jeopardy for a small cell phone bill, right? And you, even if you wanted to negotiate it, you're going to get a terrible deal because more than likely the collector's already seen that there's a brand new mortgage inquiry. So they know you're trying to buy a house. Yeah, we they're talked about that a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, they're going to play hardball. So now they see the mortgage inquiry on the report and it's going to make it even more difficult. That's correct. We did bring it up before I, a couple episodes ago. This guy, guys, this does circle back around. Um, mm. We see it every day. We deal with it every day. So that's the way that this stuff works. So if you are already a co-signer for somebody, um, have them listen to the extra credit show so that their credit <laughs> score can improve and they can refinance the loan out of your name and to assume responsibility on their own. If you make it to the end, the the, the grand prize will be uh, that you ended up with positive payment history on your report that technically did help your score. There should, there should be like this new just rule where if you co-sign for someone and they, they paid everything on time like they're supposed to, they get some sort of reward. It should just be like, common or automatic you know <laughs> it's i mean it's just it's just one of those things i think that we kind of see the the pessimist side of it because we only hear about the bad times that it happens right no one's going to come into our office and say fix my credit my co-signer paid all his payments on time like that's not the way it works we we get in front of it because something bad happened but even in personal lives like not even at work this is what you hear you know this is what you hear oh they didn't pay. They didn't pay on time. Oh, you know, I'm having to pay for this, or it, it's what you hear. In fact, I I would say that the majority of the cases that I've reviewed um, that ended up in bankruptcy was because of a defaulted auto loan. Whether it was a cosigner involved or not, it involved a large large deficiency balance from an auto loan. Mm -hmm. So you're really putting yourself at risk. You know, if you're cosigning for a ten thousand dollar car, I guess it's one thing, but I mean. You don't find too many ten thousand dollar cars anymore. You know, most cars are thirty grand. Yeah. You go sign on a thirty thousand dollar loan. I don't even know if they exist here in California still, unless it's like a used vehicle. Yeah, an older used car, you could probably find it for ten grand. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, the, a, a thirty thousand dollar car loan goes into repo. <laughs> you end up with a huge balance, no car. Um, they sue you. I just I mean, what do you do? You kind of are forced into a bankruptcy. Yeah, I had a client. Uh, this was just this week. I believe it was on Monday. Came in. Um, we looked at the credit report, and it was an exactly thirty thousand dollar loan. They stopped paying for it when it got to about twenty five thousand dollars. The deficiency balance on it right now is fifteen. So, to, so let's explain the deficiency balance a little bit. In that same example. Um, they owed twenty five thousand dollars at the time that it was repoed, mm -hmm. and if the deficiency balance ended up being fifteen, we can very easily assume they took the car, auctioned it off because they have to sell it quickly, guys. They can't yes. sit on the car, no. So they sell the car quickly at auction. They probably got ten grand for it, approximately reduced the balance they, from twenty five thousand down to fifteen, and now they send you a bill for the fifteen, saying, "Hey, you owe us this fifteen because you signed a promissory note at the time that you bought the car." that you would buy, that you would pay this whole thing off. So that's where it comes from. Um, that's where the deficiency balances come from. Uh, and most of the time, because cars are in negative equity, you're gonna end up with a deficiency balance. I've seen it two times in 13 years that a person got a check back from the repo company because they actually owed 
the car was worth more than what they owed. So they auctioned it off and the person still got money back. And I've seen it on the other end where a person bought a car, 16000 paid on it for an entire year, let the vehicle go, they sold it, and at the end, she owed more than what she purchased the vehicle originally for. She owed sixteen five. How is that possible? They they will add on tow fees, exactly, uh, repo storage fees, fee storage fees, and so I can. That means that the interest rate she got in the beginning was atrocious. Exactly, so she just paid interest for a full year, and then they charged her and hiked up the the storage fees and towing fees. Wow. Now, that's not common, but it does happen, and it does happen with the local mom-and-pop shops. That's generally when you're going to see something like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the subprime auto financers. The sub, okay, so if you're co-signing on one of those loans, forget about it. You, you pretty much just you know signed your own death warrant, so to speak. Unless you make the payments on your own and decide that you assume a car. Because what ends up happening is if the, another way that I've seen this happen is the car breaks down. You buy a lemon. Oh, yes. Right? And now you have this car loan, you have a very expensive repair bill for say a, a transmission replacement or whatever engine blew up, whatever. And now the person that you co-signed the car for is like, well, I need another car because this one doesn't work. I'm not gonna make the payments anymore. Bank, come get it. I don't want the car anymore. Um, and now you're back again. This, there's a lot of ways that we've seen this happen. That, that, was, ha that was my final consultation yesterday. Was it? <laughs> uh, you know what? I bought this car. I was making my p payments on time, but like six months into it, my motor blew. I spent four thousand uh, dollars paying for this brand new motor, and you know because of that, I missed the payment. They came and took it uh, that very next month. I decided to stop paying for it. I just, you know, I, I'm not gonna pay four thousand dollars for this engine on this six-month-old car, and then they take it, and I have to pay uh, towing fees and all this stuff. Now, I, I, I think a lot of the times I feel like people will say before they gave the car up. They're mm -hmm. under the impression that giving the car back satisfies the loan. Yes. That that the, and then they find out later that there's that deficiency balance that we just explained. The, the deficiency balance is a it, it's it's a thing in every state in the country, you know. So it's always going to happen. Um, it can happen on leases. It, it can happen under a lot of different circumstances. Unless you've paid the car off substantially, then you're in an equity position where, like we said, you can potentially get money back. Um, but at that point, it, cars rarely get repoed that far into it because a person can just sell it, you know, and then pay off the loan and do all that stuff. But, I mean, things things happen. Life happens. Um, but if you understand that dynamic and you just understand how bad things can get, because when you have a $15,000 deficiency balance, you have a high probability they're going to sue you. That could potentially lead to wage garnishments. I mean, bad things can happen. Like you said, it can stay on there for seven years. Even just a late payment will stay on there for seven years. A repo, that will also stay on there for seven years. So it's just a, a, a recipe for some very, very bad things to happen. Guys, if you have a cosigner right now or you are a cosigner, don't assume that they're making the payments on time because you haven't heard anything. You'll hear about it when you know shit hits the fan. You need to be on top of it, making the payments yourself and collecting from the person yourself right now if you really want to protect yourself that is the bottom line and the message for today's show so to take away the extra credit show is pro providing a community service by scaring people into not co-signing hopefully we've done that for you today
<laughs> I know. I mean, uh, I, I mean, it, it just, it just, I've, I've seen it in situations where um, you go to the car dealership, you want the car, and they will, the, the car salesman does such a good job that somehow you find a cosigner. Um, and it's unfortunate because a lot of the times it's someone that doesn't know better. Mm -hmm. It's someone that assumes that they're just acting as a reference. Someone that assumes that they'll just be removed from the loan in a few months, like easily peasy, just, oh, they paid on time, we'll remove you from the loan. That does not happen. Understand the dynamic of co-signing. Caution, don't co-sign. You know, don't juggle knives with your eyes closed. That is the message for today's show. Anything else? Any last parting words besides don't co-sign? Um, honestly, no, I think we've impressed that enough. Just don't do it. If you do it, you make the payments, have the, have the other borrower pay you directly. And then you'll know if they're really going to pay this on time or not. Yeah, absolutely. We can't deliver that point home, um, more clearer, I think. So again, that's, that's all we got for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. The show has been growing. We appreciate all of the emails and all of the feedback from the show. Uh, as long as you guys keep listening, as long as you guys keep reaching out, uh, we will continue to make these shows. Guys, I am Anselmo Moreno. I'm Richard David. We'll see you guys next time.